Hello and welcome to the Cake and Batter podcast. My name is Cole. And I'm Jake. And today we're going to be talking about the independently made film by Vanishing Angle and writer-director Jim Cummings, Thunder Road, which is an... It is a really good movie. Thunder Road actually started out as a short film made by the same guy, and the entire opening of um, Thunder Road, the feature film, is just a retelling of the short film. They reshot the whole thing. It's different than the short film, but uh, it, it's it was interesting to see after watching the short film for the first time. Jake, what do you what do you think of the movie? Oh, it's my favorite film from twenty eighteen. My absolute favorite, better than anything Hollywood put out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can I can <clears throat> understand that. I see where you're coming from with it. It's such a good independent film and such a good film in. Because when you think about independent film, you, you, give, you get this stigma, right? You get this idea that it's not going to be as good because it doesn't have such a big budget, right? Or they're trying to be overly ambitious with the project. Like, they want to do something out there and very, uh, what is it? Very, uh, not feasible. And, like, nuanced. Yeah. The, Which, I mean, this, kind of explains us a little bit. It, it does, but what you gotta remember is you gotta you gotta make sure before you shoot you can pull it off. Yeah, that's what's important. And this movie is clearly very ambitious with all the long takes it has. Oh yeah, so unbearably long takes in a good way. Yes. And to have to like reshoot stuff if it, if stuff goes wrong, clearly everyone was on board for it. Yeah, and. There's um there are some scenes that I heard took a couple takes to get done, and one of them was where like they had to get their clothes wet and everything. Yeah, they they throw a guy into a little uh into a little like a divot of water yeah. in a parking lot, and yeah, all of that all of those clothes are gonna get wet, and you gotta wait for him to dry. So it really is just like it makes you wonder like. If they had to do all that and just to get that single shot, because that's one big long take too, isn't it? Yeah, well, most shots in this movie are. And it's just like, it's it's insane to see it all come together, from like even watching like the short film, and seeing the feature. There's like a noticeable difference in like quality too. I thought. Uh, how so? Just like visual fidelity. But it's almost like a, just a straight-up shot-for-shot remake. The same, Everybody's the same there. People are still doing oh, yeah, the same things. Yeah. Like, even the moves are that... Um, it's, literally the sa- it's literally the same thing. The only difference there is there is no music. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure was a monetization uh, uh, choice rather than, you know, anything else. Because it... Um, and then they probably... He pro- Jim probably wrote around it. Um, but that's, that's just... That's just it's really just completely it's baffling it's this movie gives everyone who wants to become a filmmaker inspiration yes i agree with because that. this movie was made for such a tight budget yes for what especially for what it was oh yeah it gives you the inspiration to want to make any movie and not only that, just the movie, but the guy himself. Uh, you guys should go follow Jim Cummings on Twitter. I'm really going to go ahead and say 
But that, but then go follow Jim Cummings. If you want inspiration, I'm making movie making. I'm making movies because he's like the only guy who just says, "Use your phone." Yeah, and it's true. Just use your phone. And it, it's I don't know. It's like it's really something else to see. Just just to watch the movie. Watching the movie, you cannot tell how cheap it was to make. Yeah, and that's what's surprising. It really does look like a triple-A product. But let's move away from talking about the cinematography and all that. Yeah, let's, 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 let's talk do. about what the actual movie's about. Yes. So, um, for uh, a quick rundown, uh, the movie, when you look it up, it's just going to tell you Ar- Officer Arno loved his mom. But... Well, that's like that's, that's the short films. Yeah, long. but even even on on um when you look it up on Google, that's what it tells you. So even for the the feature length, it still says that for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but it's so it's about this it's about this cop and his mother dies, and he just essentially has a mental breakdown uh, as everything in his life just goes wrong and wrong and wrong. And to watch this man deal with all the crap he's put through is there's something so familiar yet so fresh here. It really, and it also really has the audience figuring out whether or not they should even root for Jim, which oh, is yeah. the name of the cop, too. That's probably the best part of, one of the best parts of this film. Trying to understand if this is a good man with big flaws or a horribly flawed man who has some good qualities. And another thing that the movie does, too, during this film, because it's not just, you know, it's not just the death of his mother that brings Jim to this downward spiral of just turmoil. It's also the fact that his ex-wife is trying to... Soon-to-be ex-wife. Well, yeah, soon-to-be ex-wife. His separated wife is trying to take custody of his daughter. And she is... She's something else. God, the movie teases her. So much. It really does. She feels like the person that doesn't care to a point where the kid favors the her over officer jim and yeah it's really tough to see him try to find a way to connect with his daughter especially like like he really really puts in the effort like for instance in one of the very first scenes of the movie they're sitting at a dinner table and his daughter is trying to teach him this game the hand slap game. the hand slap game and he can't do it. And he keeps telling her, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not able to do it. And it pushes her off. And Jim realizes that he's messed up, waits until she goes to sleep to set up a little training area. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> where he learns the hand slap game and then does it perfectly with his daughter the next morning. And the, ni- the nice thing about it is the... About that though is that you don't get to see it. No, you don't. It's, you have it's no a quick I... little gag that you that you blink and you miss it. 
Yeah, you have no idea that he even does it until he's talking to somebody on the phone and then reaches and over rips and it rips it off the wall. Oh, that's so it's so great. There's so many blinking you miss it stuff in this in this movie that that's like that. The movie also like one of the major themes of the movie isn't just how to do isn't just grieving the loss of a loved one, but is um it's you know, I just had the words for it. But you lost it, like you always do? Unfortunately. It, it's not about grieving with the loss of... It's not just about grieving with the loss of a loved one, but it's regret. It's yeah. about whether or not what you're doing is the right thing. Because I think that's... I think that's probably the most important part of this movie. Yeah. Like that scene. Because Jim always second-guesses himself. He always, he always wonders whether or not he even did the right thing to begin with. And for some reason, Jim just can't keep his goddamn mouth shut. You ever, you ever, <laughs> watch, a, you ever watch a movie and there's, just the, and there's always, in some of your favorite movies, there's just that one scene where you just can't look at the screen. Yeah. And you just want mm, yeah, to, you just want to reach, you want to reach in there and just grab the guy that's about to do the dumb thing that you know he's gonna do. Yank him and by you, the tie and, and you want to say no and just tell him to <laughs> shut up because they're so close to getting exactly what they need, and it and they just they just mess it up. I saw you, you I saw you too go, oh, and you just look away. There and you, and you go, Jim, shut up. <laughs> There is a there is a scene. Uh, Jim finds out that his wife is not only divorcing him but trying to take sole custody of his daughter, and Jim doesn't deal with it very well. But Jim ends up selling his mother's dance academy to pay for lawyers to help him get his kid back. And in a courtroom scene, he says something really stupid. What, what makes the stupid thing, before we get into that, though, what makes it so good is that he's built up so well. You know, the judge tells him, you're, you're a fine officer, you're decorated, uh, you don't, do you have any strikes? Jim says no. He's built up so well until... He makes one lousy comment. And it just talks about it. And, and Jim just starts trying to justify himself. He starts trying to backpedal. And no matter how hard he backpedals, it just digs himself into a deeper and deeper hole. And then, evidence is brought out against Jim. Because if you haven't seen the short film, and obviously spoilers if you're watching this, because you either A, have seen the movie already because we told you to see it during the screen podcast, or Subtle. you don't care about spoilers, <laughs> um, Jim dances. At the funeral. He gives a performance of Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. But in the short film, they use the song. Yeah. But in the feature film, the radio doesn't work. So there, there Jim is just skipping and hopping and dancing and crying in front of his mom's casket. And somebody records it on their phone. And that's the evidence that's brought up against him in court. <laughs> and, and he loses the case. And then the, the it's built it's built up because you know his friend says you know that he destroyed it he destroyed the video evidence of it yeah and and then it's still there and they show it as evidence. 
important, like you said. And then after the courtroom. It leads into probably one of the greatest scenes in the movie. Probably the greatest scene in the movie. So he then drives to... The police station. Yeah, to go... Um, talk to his friend. Not even talk to. He just starts screaming yeah, at him as soon as he jumps out of the car. And he obviously, if I found out that I lost a case like that, I would be extremely upset. Oh, yeah, me too. But he starts screaming and yelling at his partner, yelling obscenities, freaking out in front of everybody, and the police chief comes out and just starts yelling at him. And next thing you know, everybody's got guns pointed at Jim, and Jim doesn't even realize it, but they he's already... They just show him have his gun out. He's just holding it by his side. Chills. And it's like, is Jim going to kill anybody? But he doesn't. He ends up giving away his badge and everything. And they may, and he basically, in this fit of rage, just drops all of his clothes. Because yeah. they want him to give back his uniform, but he doesn't have another outfit. So he just rips all his clothes off and yells at everybody and basically pours his heart out. It's such a good monologue. It, it is such a good monologue. And then he just walks home. The You know, what's everything that's rooted in this horrible tragedy of a film is such dark, dark comedy. And that's what makes some of these scenes special. Because when he... When he's screaming at everybody, doing his monologue, he's undressing. Yes. He's undressing while he's doing it. So it makes you smile while your brain says, this is sad. The, the movie does a really, really, really good job at making you feel pity for Jim. Oh, because it makes it so pathetic. But it makes you love him. It, it's... It's... A perfect mix of the character you love to hate and the character you hate to love. It that's a great way of putting it. It really is. I've ne I've never thought of it that way, and I've seen this movie like four times. Really, like, four times. In, in in one year. One four times in one year. Wow. I I watched it by myself, and then I watched it with a couple family members, and then I watched it with my girlfriend. And then I watch it again with you for the podcast. Yeah. And every time it just gets better. <laughs> We're actually recording this right, I think it's been like, what, 15 minutes since we've seen the movie? Maybe a little bit longer, because you had to process the I movie. Really, I really did. I needed to get my bearings, because the movie, like, in the end, Jim does get his way, but in the most just... Uh, in the worst way. In the worst way possible. It's like everything is handed to him on a silver platter, but that silver platter is also made out of literal raw sewage. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. It's a great metaphor. The he's given he's given his second chance with all the bad things attached to it, all the baggage attached to it. Yeah, because he before this all happens, Jim goes to stay with his sister, and his sister tells him something that makes him realize that it's, I guess, is it, it's almost like it's okay for him to go through what he's going through. Yeah, it makes him, it makes him feel, it makes him
makes him feel like a person, which because, he hasn't for the because last hour. In his in his mind, he sees his mom as this unbroken saint. Yeah. Somebody who cannot do wrong, cannot have any flaws at all. But in reality, she was just hiding it all. His sister tells him that he's just like his mom. And his and what led to her getting so sick was her unwillingness to open up. Her unwillingness to open up that text message. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, sorry about that. I thought my computer was. And <laughs> it's all right. And everything builds up to that too, because everything in the hour and fifteen minutes prior to that scene, every time Jim wants, every time someone extends a hand or extend some kind of help he goes no 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 he actively he actually actively avoids help you see his yeah. partner i don't even remember his nate nate yeah you see his partner nate ask him multiple times to come over for dinner but jim just keeps saying oh no 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 i've got food at home people are here at the house where everything's getting taken care of which of course is not true everything's it's all a lie it's it's all him putting on that front so that no one sees he needs the help. Because he's too... He's... I, w- I, don't, I, wouldn't, I don't know. Arrogant? I wouldn't say arrogant. I would say ashamed. Yeah. I would say ashamed to admit. Because he thinks everybody sees himself the way that he, that he saw his mom. Yeah, he wants to be the guy. Yeah. You know? He, and he tells every he tells everybody in his monologue he says that he was the literally the best one there. Yeah, and he Wait, but when you watch him, is that really true? Because you even see it when he's in his element during the scene with him and Nate and the guy with the knife. He doesn't save that guy. No, well that he, guy that guy killed himself. Yeah, he well I mean he he didn't kill himself because he well I guess we don't really know because but um, he died. Yeah. He probably did, but either way, even if he didn't die, he was severely oh. injured. No, if you hear, if you listen to Nate when Jim's staring at him, you listen to Nate. Nate says self-inflicted knife wounds. Yeah, I know. So, but he doesn't say that he died because they called for an ambulance. Yeah, you just never find out. But but Jim, it's all because he 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 spent like at least a minute trying to work up the courage to get back there. Yeah, you see him breathing and huffing and puffing. And it focuses on Nate as he, as Jim is trying to get work up the courage to get in there. Yeah. Which is so cool because, I mean, you're, you're wondering, why isn't Nate moving? You're wondering, what's he looking at? And then it switch and then it cuts to Jim and you see him having a minor freak out before he finally runs to the back. But it's already too late. Yeah. Which is ultimately... You think that's foreshadowing for the end of the movie? I was just I was actually just gonna say, I think that that's a common a common reoccurring theme in this movie. Suicide? No, not suicide. Death? No, not death. Um <laughs> <laughs> being because yes, death, but being too late for something. Oh, you're right. Being too late for something is a common reoccurring thing in this film. It's it you know, he's too late to, to to save his daughter from the reading problem she's having at school. Too late to uh, to bond with his daughter.
you know, because he, he keeps saying he can't, right? Which he ultimately redeems himself, right? But yeah. it's too late to bond with her. It's too late to fix things like he can't he can't go back and fix the birthday party that he messed up. Yeah, that's right. It, he it's too it's too late uh, with the wife in the end because she overdoses and you know. Actually, uh, that was something that I just thought of. Um, you watch Jim make that realization to himself at the end of, in that scene. Yeah. Because in the beginning of the movie, he says, you know, if somebody opened the door, I opened the door for somebody and they never said thank you. Yeah. And then when he picks up his daughter after he gets the call from his wife, after he gets the call from the cops that his wife overdosed, which that's the big twist. That's how he gets his second chance. His wife overdoses on meth and now nobody can take care of his daughter except for him. But you find out like when Nate takes her away to the ambulance before he goes in, he says, "Why didn't she call me?" Yeah. And he makes he does that he does that thing. But it's not until he goes in there and gives that last little monologue to his you know, to his wife that he realizes that he can't do that anymore. And he, and he, during that last conversation that he had with his daughter, he just stops caring about just himself and he only cares about her and you see, you see that in his in the last question that he asks her which is do you want to run away with me and then and, he's, and he gives her another option he says or and then he I don't know what he said uh the it was do you want to stay here or do you want to run away with me that uh cuz the last question was do you want to run away with me yeah. And then and then he says, we got to, let's go home. Oh, wait, we can't go home. Nate, my, ho- my house. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, at that point, he realizes that he can be flawed. And he just becomes selfless. He reali- I think he, it's, he realizes, you know, it's important to be flawed, but it's not important to dwell on the flaws, you know, he's got to move forward. He's got to move <coughs> on, which he finally can because he he's got his daughter, which is really all he wanted from the beginning. I mean, he lost everything. He lost his house. He lost his job. He lost the dance academy, and he almost lost his daughter. But he, that's he got her back, and in the end, I guess that's really all that matters for them. Because if you if you if you think back to the beginning of the film, in the first scene, uh, she's what, cold and distant. Yeah, he he says, "Crystal, come here, come sit by me," and then she just moves farther away. Crystal, come sit by me, and then she moves farther away, and then and then puts her hands on the on the pew in the church, and and she just she just won't come and come near him. And then by the end, he's got her so close, he can barely pull her apart because. One one death separated them, and another death brought them together. Yeah. You never find out what happened to Chris. Yeah. That's something that I just realized. Because Chris is the guy that's dating with that's dating his wife. Yeah. And he's the only. Actually, that's interesting. Because you see how much of a. POS 
Rosalind is by the fact that she doesn't show up to the meeting. Yeah. She doesn't show up to the court case. She's an absent parent. And the only person that showed up to the court case was Chris. Yeah. And I don't even think he says a, a dang word. No, except, he doesn't say a word. He just stares. Except for trying to talk to him before... Um, except for trying to talk to him when he dropped Crystal off the first time. That he yeah, yeah. I think that's the and only line he, that he says. He, and then Jim ignores him. But and then, you're right. And then it's, it flips on its head because Rosalind's dead now. So now she's never there, and then for some reason, Chris isn't there either. Well, I think it's implied that, at least for me, I think that Chris was the reason she died. You know, it was his stuff. It was, mm. his, it was his drugs, you know? Oh, and so you're then saying he that... just disappeared. Because... Because, the, because she died. Yeah, because then at the end, when Nate says, we gotta, we gotta put an APB on, 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 on Chris... Uh, Jim says, yeah, fine, if you don't want me, fine, it's her. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then he just walks away. And there's so there's so many quick lines like that that you can just miss. Um, but, yeah, I think I think he just disappears because he doesn't want to be the fall guy, right? Yeah. That's, that's just how I put things, though. But, yeah, it's, it's a little open in that. There's also a little bit of comedy before that, too, before you find out. Because you don't, like, I don't think my jaw has dropped so hard during any kind of reveal in a movie until this one. Like, I've seen stuff like this coming from a mile away in Hollywood films. Like, I'll go, like, I I know it's a bad example, but, like, um, like, I don't know, like, Frozen or Wreck-It Ralph. I know you hate Disney, but this is the these are the only time that I can think of like twists right now, um, that haven't been spoiled to me, obviously. Okay. Cause like I already like when I was in films when I when I took like film classes in high school, um, and our teacher was talking about the art of the twist. Yeah. She spoiled six. She spoiled the Sixth Sense, and then showed <laughs> us the movie. She literally <laughs> spoiled the movie before showing it to us. So I already knew that Bruce Willis was dead the entire time. <laughs> Spoilers for Sixth Sense. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's such an old movie. It's such an old movie. Yeah, who hasn't seen the movie, right? But, like, they spoiled that for me, and then I and then I got Scream spoiled for me, too. Yeah. But it's, like, I guess, like, movies that I saw the first time, I'd have to say something. I get you then. But yeah. it's, like, I saw that from a mile away. I'm like, oh, that guy, he's obviously the bad guy. Yeah. That guy, he's obviously the bad guy. But, like, when and it, it really catches you off guard for that, for that reveal that the wife has died. When this entire time Jim's trying to break open his window to use his phone. Because he <laughs> yeah. locked himself out of the car. So he takes the guy's baton and bashes the thing open. Which I love that scene, by the way. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but he, 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 it's real. Like, it's not Hollywood. It's real. He can't. He can't break the window open. And he actually, and the real one of the questions I had during that scene was, how'd they pay for that? Because that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty new Ford. That's a pretty new Ford F one fifty. Now how do, <laughs> how do they pay for that window? <laughs> oh. But like, he he broke the window and his phone died. 
So automatically, it just cuts to him riding in the cop car. You think that's maybe foreshadowing? His phone dies? When they're no, trying to call I, I don't, about his wife dying? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's a little it bit. It might be. I think a little bit. It might be. But, like... Man, when I, like, I thought that, like, I thought, I knew, like, somebody died. Or, like, actually, I, I, in my mind, I thought either, A, somebody died, or there was a domestic dispute, and Rosalind and Chris are fighting, and maybe, like, Crystal got hit a couple times or something. Yeah. Like, I thought, I knew something bad was happening, but I didn't think that it would be that she... OD'd on drugs. Because, like, I didn't even have... I had no idea she was doing drugs in that movie. Yeah, you, you really don't know. And it's like... And, like, when he opens the door and you just see the leg, like, just the quick yeah. shot of her body there, I just went... Oh, my God! She's <laughs> dead! <laughs> and then, you know, the, you know, the kicker that really gets you, though, is... When Jim says, did she see any of this? She's the one who called it in. And you're like, this should not happen to any child at all. No. Oh, that's just the kicker. They really know how to punch you down with every single scenario in this film. Oh, yeah. And it's it's wild. It is just absolute total bonkers. I think... It's one. Of, it's definitely one of the best endings to a film I've seen in a while. Now, I now we were talking about this too, and I was gonna say, um, I turned to you and I said uh, after the big monologue with Jim walking home in his underwear, yeah, and there's just like that quick montage of everybody just sitting, like it just shows Nate sitting there, shows Jim sitting there, shows the house all messed up, yeah, and I just turned to you and went, what if the film ended right now? Yeah. And you said, uh, you said, I would be fine with that. I said I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad. Because, I don't know, it just felt like a fitting end, if it had to be, you know? Yeah. To me, it felt very tragic. Because it's like, Jim is, like, you watch Jim go down, go through this whole thing, and you find out that he lost his kid, like, he has nothing left. And yeah. it's certainly surprising to see you know this fall of a person but it's like in the end like that's just life there's nothing you can do about it he didn't get he wasn't gonna get a second chance there was no way in high heaven that he would have got a second chance like that and i agree with you if the movie ended there i would not be mad i would i it's so it's such a beautiful ending if it had to be because no, if they wanted it to end tragically. Yeah. And but it's like even so, the movie still ends. The movie still ends. The beautiful. movie ends on a bittersweet note. It really does. Because he he won. But at what cost? <laughs> right. I mean I know we said it before, but he's given everything he wanted, but in the worst way possible. And I think, and it's just like, you see this, this, almost this era, this quick, just scene of healing. 
at the end of the film. Yeah, ju- when he takes his daughter to the ballet. Which you, which is foreshadowed with the conversation that he has with his sister. And you find out in, in the beginning of the movie, none of his siblings are there. Yeah, yeah. None of his siblings are there. Jim is the only child of the mom who actually showed up to the funeral. Yeah. And Jim, and you kind of almost feel contempt for them. But when Jim goes and visits his sister's house, you you realize what why she didn't go, and it's because Jim was the favorite. Jim was the favorite, and everyone wanted to not only get away from her, but get away from the town as well. They and thunder I, wrote it. Like I, yeah, said. I said they thunder wrote it, which is the metaphor of the which is the song. And Jim even references it in the final in one of the final scenes too, when he's talking to he his said, daughter. Oh my god, it's the song! He's like, it's the song. <laughs> other movie I, I would not be okay with that but this, in this movie it worked perfectly because it's like he's coming to the same realization that his siblings did and you learn from the sister that the mom wanted to perform in swan lake but her knee was so messed up and she drove an hour to practice every oh. other day on this bad knee just to prove just to prove that she she was fine, she was fine. and I think she, wasn't it that Swan Lake was the the one thing is what she saw when as, she was a kid when yeah. she was a kid and made her want and be it dancer. made her want to be a dancer yeah and that's exactly what Jim takes Crystal to at he, the very end of the movie he takes her to the ballet and she, and you can see it shows the ballet and all the girls dancing for a little bit what and then it cuts and then it cuts to them to Jim and then it moves over to the girl and she just leans forward and she grabs onto the seat and then you just see him looking back and forth just kind of like appearing like hey what what's she doing is she enjoying this and then you just you, see he realizes crying. it and he's and he starts smiling and he starts crying at the same time because he then he he's doing ex- he's being the best dad that he can and you really and like even so with that too, like um, a question that I did have before I continue though, what does Morgan do? She has a meeting, but what does she do? It never really says. Cause like for some reason I thought that she also did dancing, and I thought that that was her on stage, but I was like that can't be right. I don't know. She strikes me as a teacher. That but, does. But, but like they don't really say. But like Jim really holds up to like the best dad ever that he can in that very final scene. And he even makes a comment about it when Nate finds him in his house, sitting in the disheveled remains of his daughter's room. Is Morgan married? I don't think I caught that. I mean she has two sons. But is she married? She's she said that the other son was at Pratt the third she has three kids. The yeah. two boys that were at the door and then one that was no, at the girl and the boy. The girl and the boy at the door, and yeah. then another well, I guess uh, I don't know who uh, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl because Peyton's a unisexual name. Yeah, but like, but is she married though? I know, but I'm trying to think because like if if Peyton, the name of the child, is at a practice for a sport, wouldn't the dad be there too? Because somebody's got to drop them. Somebody's got to take them. She could have dropped them off though. But because here's the thing, it never says if she's married or not. 
It doesn't. And if she's not, like if he's dead or left her or whatever, had a divorce, here's the thing. This movie's obsessed with single parenting. Mm. That's You're why right. I asked the question. You're right. That would make that makes sense. The mo- their mother. I mean, you could always Jim. And then if it was her. I mean, you're. I mean, you've talked to Jim Cummings a couple times on Twitter. Why don't we just ask him? <laughs> you act like I have this personal relationship with them. I mean, I sent him a tweet and he liked it and retweeted and and I and he said he would review a film of mine, which he hasn't gotten to, unfortunately yet. But, I I know. Um, I mean, you. I mean, it's uh, it's something about Thunder Road. I'm pretty sure he'll respond. <laughs> he might. I don't know. I mean, you Maybe might I as will. well. You might as well. Be too. like, hey, was Morgan married? He just responds, no. And then you go, <laughs> oh, there you go. And, but if it, I mean, because if she was, then whatever. But if she's not, you know, it's it changes things because that's three main parents in this movie that are single. That is true. I mean, except for Nate. Nate, Nate's married. Except Nate, but I feel like Nate is this portrait kind of of a perfect family. That is true. That would make sense. You know, it's actually you're right. They have a because frameable moment. They, ha- they and also and also they say grace at dinner. They yeah. have two kids, a boy and a girl, and he's happily married with a nice house and he has a good job. Like that is the perfect parent. But, but this is leading up to what I was going to say, because we were talking about Jim being the perfect dad. The little monologue that he has with Nate when he's sitting in that when he's sitting in his daughter's room, where he talks about, I was looking at an above-ground pool. I thought they'd be expensive, but they're actually pretty affordable. Yeah. He's like, I thought we would be the cool kids in high school. You know? <laughs> the ones where, they, where I let them think they're getting away with murder, but I call their parents and be like, yeah, they're drinking, but they're okay. I'm yeah. keeping an eye. Like that, it's so sweet and so weird. It's so weird at the same time, but it's like that hits you on an emotional level. I mean, we don't obviously we're young. We don't have kids. Yeah, we don't have families. But we understand how it could be. Yeah, and it's like that. That's that hits you. It hits. It hits you especially if you like you want to be a father in the future. Because then you may then you, then you like it hits you even harder. Because you're like, yeah, that's the kind of dad I would want to be too. Right, right. It's he's so it's. I think the reason it hits you is because the way it's presented, the way the way it's written, and he plays it off is he's he doesn't know what he's doing, but he wants to know what he's doing, and he thinks what he's doing. And I think it's the first time in the movie where Jim is actually vulnerable in front of somebody that he thinks would look at him the same way he looks at his mother, too. Because it's in front of Nate. And he actually just sits there and opens up to Nate. And Nate just came over to ask him to play cards just to check on him. Something something that's literally just super low maintenance. Something that Nate doesn't actually have to put effort into. Right. And once he sees Jim in this vulnerable state actually opening up to him, Nate goes, you know what? Screw dinner. Let's yeah. let's let's actually hang out. Right. And <laughs> and then you get the funny moment where he <laughs> walks up to the fridge and the door's hanging off and he's like, What happened here? And Jim's like oh, a fist fight. I thought the fridge was a burglar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But you know you know what I love about that scene? 
there's a payoff in that scene that feels so good. What? Do you know what it is? Uh, no. When, immediately when Nate walks in, and he walks into to, uh, Jim, who's hanging out in his daughter's bedroom, right? Yeah. And you see the smoke come up. And because he's smoking a cigarette. But the entire film, he was, he was chewing nicotine gum. Yeah, you're right. He was a quitter. He was a quitter. He was a smoking quitter. And that's what drove him. It finally drove him to, to pick up a cigarette and smoke. There was a payoff that entire time. You're right. And I noticed that he was eating nicotine gum. Because you see him scanning things and doing this and running all this stuff around because he wants to, he wants to be this model man. Yeah. But the fact that he's lost everything drives him to start smoking again. And it's not like, and it's like, you, you know... He could be doing meth. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he's a, deep down, he's such a good man, though. I know, and it's, it's just that payoff is so perfect, because, you know why? Why? Because it's such wasted potential in most movies. You know, they would just show him, okay, he's chewing nicotine gum because he's, you know, he used to, he used to be a smoker. Okay, end of movie. But this movie, no, everything that's presented is paid off in the Everything, there's nothing on the screen that doesn't have some kind of importance. Yeah, that's what I love. Because it's simple things like that. It's simple things like the nicotine gum. And, I mean, the first time you watch it, you don't notice it. Because you didn't notice it. But then the I noticed that he was, I know that he, I noticed that he was chewing nicotine gum. But yeah, my brain didn't make that didn't connection. Make the connection with the cigarette at the end. Yeah. But... The second time I watched it, I was like, oh, I put I put it together. Yeah, you, you know? put the square block in the square hole. Because people don't people don't always associate how hard it is to quit smoking. And nicotine gum is there for a reason. Yeah. And it's because it's so hard to quit smoking. It's a substitute. Yeah. And so for him to pick up that cigarette again, which he clearly tried so hard to avoid, it's a big deal. It really is. It's a small little stick, but it's a big deal. It's just, I don't know. I know. Oh, I do want to point out, the, the final scene made me cry. Oh, yeah, I mean, oh, God, I bawled like a baby the first time I saw the movie. I, I like, not a lot of movies <sighs> make me cry. I saw you. I saw you were... I know you're enjoying a movie if you're just quiet, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes you have something to say. You know, you usually do have something to say at the end of a scene, like something quick, like two words or something. Yeah. Or a line or something. But this you were like... Dead silent. Dead silent. And I saw you just staring at the screen. And then what really gave it away that I knew you loved this movie was watching the credits. You never watch the credits. Because the credits aren't that good. And then you watch the credits. I watched the movie from start to the very final second that that reel exists. And you, and then it stopped and you were still looking at the screen. And then you just took your glasses off and you wiped your eyes. I'm like, I got you! <laughs> oh man, it really teared me up like... After I said, are we in a time skip? Like, that quick second, I, like, everything just... It just clicked? And I was like, it, it just 
cue the waterworks. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I get it now. It, for me, for me, it was, it was, the cut from the ballerinas to Jim, and then the pan to the kid. And that's what crystal. got you. Oh god, that cue it all. Cue the waterfall. That's what got me. Oh man, did you cry when you watched it with your girlfriend? Did you cry? How many times have you cried seeing this movie? Every you time. watched it every time. Every time. All right. <laughs> hey, it's you right. watch it again and see what happens wow. to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna show this to my family. I actually am because my family it has an affinity for savvy movies like this. And I, let's say emotional, because not savvy. It, savvy has a bad ring to it. All right, emotional movies. My my bad. But. This is probably the first, like, feel-good, emotional... I don't even know if it's a feel-good movie. I did not feel... I don't know about feel-good. I didn't, good. I didn't feel good watching this. I felt, like, second-hand embarrassment from Jim. Which is obviously too. what they were going for. I felt tragic. I know. But, um... I... Normally don't watch emotional movies because I find them to be very redundant. I feel you, I feel you. And uh, this is the first time that this movie has been so simple yet so effective. It's so different. That's the key, you know? Yeah, it's it's not your average, everyday emotional movie. It's not, it's not beautifully crafted. But it is, in its own It's way. beautifully crafted from a writing standpoint. I'm saying beautifully crafted as, like, it doesn't feel like a movie. It oh, feels it, like life. It feels like you're watching somebody who is real, who exists, who isn't just yeah. Matt Damon in a different colored shirt buying a zoo. Right. This feels like a guy named Jim Arnault who is a cop who lost his daughter and is having a mental breakdown. That's what this move that's what this movie feels like. It feels like life. Because this this stuff happens every day to people. And it feels real. It doesn't feel like a movie. I agree. That's, that's what's so perfect about this movie. It gets everything right. You know, it's not just 100% drama. 100% I need to make you cry. 100% here's a laugh. It's, one, it's, it's like 25% of everything. Agreed. And that's, it's life. That's what makes independent films, for me, so much better than Hollywood emotional dramas. Because they're outside of everyone saying, oh no, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. You know? Yeah. It doesn't get passed around by ten different people. It's one guy who wrote it, directed, produced it, and acted it so he knows what he's doing. kind of sucks that this movie didn't get any distribution here. Yeah, other than, I think, like two theaters here, but no big change. But apparently France ate it up, you said. Yeah, France dug this movie. They dug it so hard. I believe they got a limited wide release. Wow. In France. I, I, I could be wrong, but I remember seeing on Jim Cummings' Twitter everywhere it was playing, and it was in like a lot of theaters in France. And then London had a release of it in some theaters uh, a few months ago. Mm. So London, I think, ate it up as well. It's not as much as France, but you know, France loves these kinds of 
They love getting that stuff. So what would you rate this movie? 10 out of 10. Really? It's 10 out of 10 for me. A 10 out of 10. And that's hard. That's hard for me to give. All right. Give. What about okay. you? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. I feel like I. this movie is beautifully crafted and amazing, but I feel like it's very hard for any movie to be a 10 out of 10. It is. I think I, I may change in the future, but after seeing it for four times, I can't find a flaw with it. It's so hard to find a problem with this movie. Like, the only, you know, you know what there is a problem? What? It's too short. Really? It's too short. The movie's almost two hours long. No, it's not. It's an hour and a half. Oh, really? It's not even two hours long. I feel like it's just the perfect length. It, like, length. just qualifies for a feature film. I feel like it's the perfect length. It's the perfect length, yes. But it still makes me want more. That's, that's what a good movie does, right? It leaves you wanting more. All right. So that's my only issue with it, and that's not even a real issue. So 10 out of 10, this is five-star perfect film from me. Okay. So what are we going to watch next week? Well, I think we're going to watch Train to Busan. Now, why do you say that? Because we are going to kick off October with horror movies because of Halloween. Yep, so since Halloween's coming up, all of the podcasts for the month of October are going to be on only horror films. And if you hate horror, oh well. Too bad. Because that's what we're doing. So tune in next week when we watch Train to Busan. By Yang Sang Ho. And it's on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, give it a watch. Yes, and we are sorry we're giving you a foreign film, but expand your horizons. Yep, this movie is not American, so that'll be fun. Alright, you've been listening to the Cake and Batter podcast. Go watch Thunder Road, please. If you haven't. I'm Jake. And I've been Cole. And thank you for watching. Goodbye. See you later.